Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111 on this Tuesday. Working with a non-believer is, is interesting. This cat is unbelievable. Okay, let, 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 let's let, let's review. My, I don't like playing people on losing streaks. The Braves yesterday played a Detroit Tiger team that had lost eight in a row. You never want to play someone that lost eight in a row. Are the Braves way better than the Tigers? Of course they are. The Tigers aren't anywhere near the Braves. But why did the Tigers win? Because they were on an eight-game losing streak. And here, here's what it has to go with. They've got 54 wins. You just you just don't want to you don't they got 54 wins before the season started. So, you never know when a team is just going to claim one of their 54 wins. They they don't have anything to do with those 54 wins. Remember, if you go if you go 54 and what what does that equal? What's 54? 108. If you go 54 and 108, you didn't win a game. You won zero games. That's the equivalent of 0 and 16 or 0 and 17 now. If you go 54. So 54 of your wins, you have nothing to do with. Baseball gives you that. You just don't know exactly when you're going to claim them. So you never want to play a team that's on a long losing streak because they're due to claim one of their 54 wins. He's shaking his head. He don't believe that because at all. because the exact same situation on the opposite end took place, where the Tampa Bay Rays are significantly better than the Oakland A's, and the A's had won five in a row. So you were they're due to lose. So it's a great time right. To play but the them. A's were, were f- way below their fifty-four game um, pace, and so they're just no. trying to catch up to their <laughs> oh fifty-four God. game pace. That's unbelievable. The A's were way below. They were on pace to be one of the worst teams. And they, they they were on pace. They 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 were on pace to be one of the worst teams in over a hundred years. That's why I was so glad to get my six wins and get out. And, and no, I not get out of there because we still got six more games. But you don't want to play. I, I don't know no. when they play the A's. I hope it's way at the end of the year. Because you don't want to mess with a team that 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 that's fighting history. That goes both ways. No, you don't want to mess with that. Yeah, no, it's just they're just claiming their fifty-four but you, wins. But but yesterday it was a great situation for the Rays. That's what we said. We said, well, I mean, look, uh, I don't know if we due. said that. I said, <laughs> I said it might be it a might. good time to play them because they've won five in a row. But that all of us, <laughs> are they are they are they even on pace to win fifty-four yet? Um, I no, they're not. They said, are, I'm saying they're still playing catch up. The Piper still owes them. You don't want to play a team that the Piper owes. They're on pace to win 43 games. That's what I'm saying. They're not even there yet. I mean, you don't want to play them. If I said that, that was stupid. Angels are heating up. 
Did the Angels? Yeah, they won they last again. night. Two homers from Shohei. They're uh, they're only a game back of the Astros, actually. Well, baseball wants them to get there so bad. The problem is again this. Well, this whole oh, oh, you they're going to trade Otani. Yeah, you just keep saying that, but again, I don't see it. I don't think he's coming to Houston like Stevie P thought, but 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 no, I I don't I don't think they're going to keep him. I mean, so what are they going to do? Ride it out, not make the playoffs, and then lose him and get nothing for him? Can they really afford to do that right now? Seem like you got to get a lot. You got to get two or three really critical pieces here out of him for the future. It seems like. Yeah, I don't know. It's actually like the wild card picture is interesting because if this AL East now, you figure teams are going to start beating each other. But again, with the new scheduling, it's not as bad as it used to be. They don't have to beat each other up as bad as they used to. That's true. And if you know Baltimore keeps playing like they're playing, and the Yankees we figure are pretty good, like it's not going to be easy to just claim a wild card spot. Now, you know that that the, the expanded situation helps that, and then the Astros are in another position as well. But if you know who out of the Orioles, Yankees, Astros, Rangers, and Rays is going to miss the playoffs, and if not, then we've already got our six playoff teams. It's those five, and whoever wins AL Central. Like, I, awesome. it's it's really interesting to me. One of those teams, you know, I mean, right but now you didn't even mention the Blue Jays, did right? You? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is Toronto going to catch the Astros or Yankee? That's certainly possible. But so then, yeah, if you're the Angels from that perspective, you sit there and go, you got to be better than two of those teams. Toronto, Houston, Baltimore, you know, Tampa, Texas, the division leaders. you got to be better than two of those teams, plus everybody who's behind you, which, you know, Boston, Seattle, we'll see. Seattle's going to make a run. I still believe that. I don't know what their problem is. So but. it's interesting in the American League because you've got, no, you got a lot of teams at the top. Absolutely. No question it is. But – um No, I I need to keep reminding myself and y'all, and you need to keep reminding me and the the listeners about what you just said because the whole the schedule's different this year thing is real. Like, you know, and none of us can know. I mean, none of us are – people are going to make claims. We don't know what would happen if it wasn't that way. But it is something different about this season. By the way, since we brought that up, we're now, you know, starting to sniff the middle of June. The um have have really any of the change I'm not saying the changes haven't had an impact, but is there been anything negative from any of the changes now that we're, you know, we've been playing for what two and a half months now? I don't think there is anything. No, I mean, you know, every, once a week you get a random pitch clock strike that's weird that you go, well, that sucks that that happened in the ninth yeah, inning. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think they've, I mean, no, I don't I don't think it's been bad. I think it's been fine. Um, and it's funny, too. I've been, I've been, like, I've been calling cane cutters games, and some of these games last so long, and I'm sitting there going, man, we need the MLB pitch yes. clock rules. Like, yes. it's funny how baseball, you just think of it differently now. You're like, man, let's just keep it going. Everything's rolling. Let's keep playing. I agree. I, I think it's mostly been good. Now, look. There have been times where, like the other day, Abreu got called out on strike three. I mean, that – I don't know. What does it happen in game – for your – I guess it happens probably every game, every day, but to your team, it probably happens once a week maybe or something. I mean, it's, it's not like it happens all the time. So, no, I think it's mostly you know, been good. Another thing, this A's historically bad run, 
now they're only a game a game behind the Royals, who are who are making a run at being historically bad, who have lost seven in a row, and are eighteen and the 48. A's make sense. Why are the Royals that bad? Yeah, I don't know. Like the, I know they were counting on some young players, but it's not like they had zero players. Yeah, Brady Singer's been awful. Who was supposed to be an, a yes. nice young starter for them? I mean, it's it's a lot, and I mean they're they're. <laughs> They could be on going on a historically bad run of their own here if they keep playing the way they've played the last month or so. And think about it. What do you think's going through Zach Grinky's mind right now? <laughs> that cat bitches for the Royals. I mean, who knows what was going through his mind when he was playing on teams like, the, you know, in Houston where going to the World Series and stuff. I mean, this cat, Zach Grinky. Uh, Bobby Witt has not turned out to be so far what they thought it would be. I mean, they got one of the best catchers in the game. Um, the Italian cat at first, I was thought he would have a pretty good year. I, I just, I don't know. I that is really bad. They, they've been really bad. All right, so let's get last night. Please explain. Very often, when if you're watching Astro game with me. They'll hit a ball into the air, high into the air, and I'll scream or I'll say, it's the major leagues. It's the major leagues. In other words, let's catch this. Because I know that it's not a given, even though in most of our minds it's a given. What I ha- I saw I-, I wasn't watch I was watching the game and flipping back and forth between the NBA Finals. And then once Southern Miss started, Southern Miss and Texas. And so I was not watching when it happened. I was in the process of going to bed. And, and then I, I checked my phone and I saw a walk off. And I'm like, what happened? And then I saw the replay. But I don't know, like, how did – I don't remember seeing anybody in the times that I was watching struggling with foul ball, with fly balls. Like, how – did you hear – was there any explanation, like, what happened? No, but the weird thing is that everybody lost it. Like, if you saw it, too and, – and I also said – I brought this up, I think, in a break with RP3. We, we, I don't think we mentioned on the air, but there wasn't enough panic out of the outfielders, I felt like. Like, because if you panic initially and let it make it clear that you have no idea where it is, I think – I don't know if the shortstop's got a chance to get there. It would have been an incredible run for him to get all the way over to where What about the right was. fielder, though? Well, the right fielder completely lost it, too. That's what I'm saying. He and the center fielder both had no clue, and they both looked up. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I mentioned the Cane Cutters game. There was a play last night in the Cane Cutters game where a runner was stealing, and it was a pop-up to right field, and the right fielder did the whole – it was one out, and he did the whole pretend like he didn't know where it was, trying to fool the runner, who ended up getting back to first base, and he caught the pop-up like normal and threw it in. And that was my first thought when I saw them with their hands up, but there's two outs, so there's no need to – you know, it doesn't matter. You just make the catch and then the inning. There's no trying to fool a base runner to try and get a double play out of it. And I was thinking, and I I remember thinking to myself, man, that ball didn't seem to be hit that deep because I was assuming the center fielder was just camped under it. And I was like, I didn't think he hit it that far. I thought it was more of a pop-up than that. And then, yeah, it's just, you you look and you go, wait a minute, I don't think they've got it. And then they didn't have it. It's crazy. For those who don't know, Texas is playing Stunford. It's 6-6, the ninth inning. And it's two outs, and... They hit a ball that looked like when they hit it, you're like, oh, he popped it up. And, like, I think if you go back and watch the rebound, I think the, the, the pitcher starts walking back to the to the dugout. Like, normally that means end of inning. And, again, this was 
a Texas team that's known as one of the best defensive teams in the country and the center fielder who robbed the Cajuns of a three-run homer and the right fielder who's got South Louisiana roots um, made an incredible catch on on Rocco and, you know, played a huge role in that 4-2 win over the Cajuns in the regional and then their season ends on a routine fly ball that, I mean, it was was just a pop-up into the outfield, but, and they just didn't see it. But like, again, do you know of any, like, did they, did anybody else struggle? Every fly ball that I saw, there was no struggle. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anything else. No, I didn't see anybody else struggle with any fly balls. So I just, I mean, you just wonder how could that have happened? I I, I just don't understand it. No, it's, it's crazy. And, it's and not it, like a son all of a sudden appeared. Again, too, it was interesting to me that they didn't show the panic as much. And I don't know if, again, I don't know if it really makes a difference because looking at it, shortstop, he did see it. it. And honestly, it looks like second baseman lost it, too. It looks like the, sh- the only guy who was in somewhat range of making a play there is a shortstop who saw the ball. And it doesn't look like he'd, he'd have gotten a chance. But they, they both, they didn't like have their, they, you know, usually you see that real sign of panic, like guys going, I don't see it, I don't see it. They both just kind of stood there. And so they must have, comp- I mean, I, it, they must have never seen it off the bat, I'm guessing. Like, I don't know. I, I, that is, I mean, can you, to lose your, it's like you didn't lose, I mean, you didn't, it's like the other team didn't win, you just. Oh, and I was thinking too. The only situation that would have made made that more difficult is if you had a one run lead and lost it on two runs coming in on that play. Because then, when the ball sit up in the air, you're you're going, we're we're going Omaha, we're there. This situation, even if you make the catch, you're going to extras. You're going to still have to battle. Yeah, but so that's man. the only thing that could have made it worse. But no, I mean, and Lucas Gordon, the ace who comes in and 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 pitched his way out of that jam theoretically. Oh man, it's brutal. It's <laughs> a brutal way. But again, that's why I still get nervous on these pop-ups. I'm like, it's the major leagues. Don't make don't disappoint me right here. Let's catch these pop-ups. Whew, that is brutal, brutal way to lose. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in at the top of the next hour, we'll be speaking with Chandler Roman, the athletic, about the Astros. So looking forward to trying to uncover some of the issues the Astros have got going on right now with Chandler, who's been covering the Astros very closely for several years now. All right, Tennessee. So I did not get my Oral Roberts prediction correct. I picked Oregon. That was a very close series, and it went Oral Roberts' way, so Dawson got that one right. I did pick Tennessee to beat Southern Miss, 
Uh, very close series, and I got that one right. And I did pick Texas to beat Stanford. And, I mean, I guess I got it wrong, but, I mean, I don't know. That is just – that was just awful. It's just – I mean, I'm trying to – like, what's the – it's kind of like, I guess in – in soccer, it would be an on goal. Like, what's the basketball equivalent of that? Like, with no time left, you have three free throws and you go 0 for 3 at the line and you lose. I don't know. What's the what's the football equivalent of what it's I like mean, the, missing an extra point, I guess? Emotionally, yeah, I guess that. It's pretty similar to like, yeah, it, it, the emotions were similar to the, the Minneapolis Miracle, but the, obviously the, the construction of the play and the likelihood of it all was, was not similar. But in basketball, yeah, I don't know, maybe like a going up for a rebound and accidentally knocking it in, like, you know, that's kind of similar to the own goal thing. But it's not yeah. that. It's just like it's not, a, it's not you you know helping the opponent. It's just a routine play that doesn't get made. So, yeah, I don't, like a breakaway layup to win the game and you just – Brick it, just botch the layup. <laughs> just, which situ- I don't know. There was a situation not that long ago. The I remember the example I was given was it was the equivalent of Shaq on a breakaway missing the dunk. Um, I forget what situation, but I, again, that is just oh man. Especially if you know, well, for everyone involved, but especially if it's your last year and. You're not going to the major leagues or into the month. You know, you're not going to get drafted, and it's just you got to live with that memory. That is just brutal. I guess it's kind of like the Minneapolis. But, again, that, even that, that was bad, but I don't know. I think this is worse. I mean, (laughs) this was to go to the World Series. And you were supposed, like, not supposed to win, but you were kind of built to win, like, I still think that Saints team was not going to Philly and winning. And that Saints team was just kind of coming into its own. Like, they weren't really – the next year, I think they were more ready. And then, you know, we all know what happened there. Anyway, I don't want to go down that road. It's too distressing. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I, I love everybody talking about the uh, the College World Series bracket and saying, oh, how Florida got an easy draw. You know, that, doesn't everybody just don't learn from their lessons? It's, it's almost all the time it's a team that just comes out of nowhere, the team that just go ahead and make some little stars in the College World Series, like an old Roberts or a TCU. I mean, why people just don't get that? Well, I mean, who's complaining that Florida got an easy draw? Oh, I listen. I listened to Jordan's show yesterday. All the people that were on the, the thing, the, uh, his show, they were all. Every one of them was saying, "Oh, LSU's on the tougher draw." Oh my God, Florida got it easy. Yeah, but oh, how could anyone have had it any easier way. than LSU to get there? What's that? How could any team have had an easier draw than LSU to get there? No, not to get there. I'm saying where they're at now, though, because they got Wake Forest on their side. They got Texas on their side. I mean, uh. uh you know, uh, Tennessee on their side or whatever. They're the same thing. Because I guess they're basically the same because they got Wake Forest on their side and Florida has really no other national seed besides Virginia on their side. That was their uh, – right. their, their, uh, But I, but their I don't know. I don't, I don't know that Tennessee's any better than TCU. 
No, I don't. No, I agree. Look, I'm just saying. I think yeah. how many times we, we, we Coastal went there. Nobody went Coastal got there. Nobody thought Coastal was going to do anything. When Fresno State got there way back in the day, did anybody think Fresno State was going to do anything? Oh my God, Fresno State's on our side. That we got an easy draw. Didn't work out too good for everybody that was on Fresno State's side, was there? <laughs> no, no, that's fair. You're right. You're right. And you know, look, I, I watched Wake Forest both their games. You know, LSU, I think is going to be very, is going to be very good in a good situation because that their, their first, Wake Forest's first pitch is good. He's 15 and 0. I really think he's really good. But the one that that first, the he's a sophomore now. That left hander he's kind of shaking. And I think LSU is going to be able to hit him if LSU gets by their first game and Wake Forest gets by theirs. Okay, and so you know, he, here's the thing about Wake Forest in both in both the regional and the super regional, they played one game that was really close that they won, and then after that they blew everybody out. But what happens if they lose that close game at the, in, in Omaha? You know, they they beat what did they beat Alabama five to four, six to five? It was like really close in that first game, and then they scored twenty two. Did the same thing in the regional. In the regional, the first game was pretty close, and then after that, you just blew everybody out. But if you lose that close game, completely different scenario. And both the times was with their ace pitcher. Both games with was an ace pitcher. If he wouldn't have been pitching, it would have been that other guy. Because look, even though the uh, you know they blew out Alabama in that second game. Their starter was getting hit at the beginning of the game. Alabama, I can like hit two runs in the bottom of the first, and they hit another home run in the second. You know, they were trying to keep up with Wake Forest, but they couldn't. But I'm just telling you right now that, that, that Wake Forest is number two is not that good. And I'm telling you, fellas, you know Wake Forest is going to throw their ace on the first game, just like LSU is going to throw scheme. If when if LSU got to face that sophomore left-handed pitcher, LSU is going to tear him apart. I'm just telling you what I saw. And look, the, the uh, Wake Forest number one, one reliever, that big left hand. Now he's good. Now I, I will admit that, but I believe Fellowship plays uh, Wake Forest, and they're going to throw that left, that uh, sophomore left hander. It won't it won't matter with that reliever because they'll be way on top. Uh, that's, that's that's what I saw, and maybe I'm wrong. And look, and they both might lose their first games, and they might you might have the same matchup with them in the losers bracket. But I'm just saying, LSU plays Wake Forest the second game. They will win that game. Well, that. look, they could they could light up the left hander yeah. and still get beat thirteen to twelve. I mean, you know, because Wake can score too. But um, do you really think this is going to be a home run fest, though? No, it's not. Not no. over there, Kevin. That's what I'm saying. I, mean, I don't. I don't see no, it yeah, being a home run fest. What's that? I don't see it being a home run fest, which I don't think is good for LSU or Wake Forest. Well, exactly. Like I said, they both might be meeting the losers back, but I, I don't think nobody's going to be the But what I'm saying is, Kevin, Wake Forest, that, 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 that park they got over there, that's a popcorn park. Really small. I mean, Alex Box is not that small. And, LA, and you know, they got some good hitters at Wake Forest. I'm not going to lie. But, come on, I, they, 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 don't, they don't have the depth that LSU does. I know that. And, I'm, look, I'm not saying LSU's going to automatically beat them, and all, but I'm just telling you, if it's a matchup with LSU against that left-hander, LSU will win. I'm not talking about hitting home runs. They're going to hit him. No, I, I I got you. I got you. All right, sir. I appreciate uh, the call. Uh, all right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Well, you, uh, you're running backs on the market. You can get him. Well, look, I, I, I would love to get him. I, I just don't know how. You know, I mean, I guess it's. He, he wants 
Yeah, he wants a lot of money. I don't know how yeah, feasible he's 20, it is. He's 28 years old, though. <laughs> I think he'll be 29 before the season starts, but, yeah. I just don't they know think. enough. See, it's hard to eat at, at, from, from a media or a fan standpoint to even – Make a good. Well, we should. They should do this, or they should do this. The team theoretically knows way more than we do. Like, what really is about to happen with Z twenty eight? Like, is he about to be suspended for the whole season, or for eight games, or are they on? Is he on the way out in the next year or so? Like, I don't even know what they're thinking. I don't even have any way of predicting what's about to happen with him. Yeah, I, if I had to guess. I don't think. I mean, I, I would, I would say, you know, if he has a long suspension and stuff, and then, uh, I don't know. He never impressed me all that much. I mean, he was a good. He's not a. I don't know. How would you say it? A true running back? I don't know. He's like more of a, a wing back. <laughs> you know. So, but anyway, I was talking about Davin Cook. You, uh, well, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, yeah. you gotta, like. I mean, I would be all for really going for Dalvin Cook if they've kind of said, you know, there's a pretty good chance Z28's not going to be here for very much or he's going to be suspended for the whole season and then who knows what's going to happen after that. But but if they're like, well, well we really think he's if they we really think he's going to be suspended for six or eight games and then we're going to get him back and we plan on him being the, you know, our bell cow back the, the following year, then you may not go for it. What type of money is Z28's making? Well, he he's in the middle season. of a contract. They gave him a contract extension. I'd have to look it up, but they gave him a contract uh, extension not that it, long ago. You think it's around eleven, twelve million? That's what Dalvin Cook was supposed to get this coming up season from the Vikings. Maybe up to thirteen million. So you think? Well, again, I don't much? think they're going to pay two running backs that much money unless they. That's what I'm saying. Unless they think that somehow Kamara's not going to be around for very much longer. And it's just hard It's just hard for us to know because we don't – I mean, I, I don't even know for sure that they know what the NFL's thinking, but we sure don't know. I really think he's going to get suspended some games. I mean, I've seen the video, and it wasn't, it wasn't you know – Oh, no, it's not pretty, good. No, it's not so, good. Not yeah, good. I mean, he needs to get suspended some games. But uh, Dalvin Cook is the – is the better running back between the two of them. He's, he's in more he, Dalvin Cook's a little more physical. He's, he dropped off on that last season. He wasn't as physical, but he still has the home run speed. But he did have shoulder surgery uh, like February, somewhere around there. And then he, he did uh, have a bad shoulder pretty much all last year. He had to wear that harness or whatever. But to me, he's a better but again, I, I, I never, I never wanted Z twenty eight to be anything but Z twenty eight. The Saints tried to make him into a dump truck. D- Dalvin Cook yeah. is a physical and every down back. I never wanted forty one. By the way, he's in the middle of a five year, seventy five million dollar deal. Becomes a free agent in twenty twenty six. So I, it sounds too complicated oh, for Dalvin so Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. too Dal- Yeah. I appreciate the call. We got to get to a break. Dalvin Thank you very Cook. much. He's he's good on pass protection. You yes. know, he he picks up the blitz. He's smart that way. Oh no, I'd love to but, have uh, him. I'd love to have him. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I think the front office of the Vikings know that 
we can't win this season. I mean, we can win some games, but we cannot win a championship this coming up season. So I think they just, like I told you earlier in the year, they're going to cut some fat, you know. I think they they like Madison. (laughs) I think they like Madison and they like the guy from UAB. But I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. All right. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, we've talked mostly about the, well, we talked a little Major League Baseball. We talked mostly about the Super Regional game between Texas and Stunford, and I just, man, that is... You know, like or don't like them, I'm just, it's just, man, that's a brutal way to lose. We talked actually a little NFL because we had a Viking, our Viking fan friend who called about Dalvin Cook. And again, I just, I would love to have Dalvin Cook. I just, I don't see it happening, but. Even though if you go online, you know, you see these stories and these headlines where the Saints are one of the teams, supposedly. I guess you never say never, but it's just, it just doesn't seem like it would be in the cards. Um, you know, the the natural assumption is that he's going to the Dolphins, but you hear a lot of Broncos talk too. And I, again, I can believe that Casper really wants to have a running game because he wants to take as much pressure off of Russell Wilson and make to make that work as possible. And 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 Williams is a re- really a talented back, but he was hurt all of them. I and he got hurt in the opener last year. He missed basically the whole season. Uh and, and who knows, you know, how he's gonna rebound from that. So the Broncos make sense. Um, and they got all way more flexibility and, and I mean, you could, you only want to tie up so much money in running backs, especially when you're going to have one that's not even going to be playing who knows for how long. Um, so that's interesting. All right. Someone called during the break and, and it's something that actually I was thinking about when FedEx man called, can you imagine since we're talking about baseball, the curveball that would be thrown to the, especially the LSU fan base, but, you know, just baseball fans in general, if LSU holds schemes till game two to theoretically play Wake Forest, which there's no guarantee they're even going to play Wake Forest. But wouldn't that, wouldn't that be, like, totally? I mean, you want to talk about a curveball. I don't. I don't know that it would be the dumbest thing. Um, again, I, I think you're just playing it out. Supposedly, the weather was the reason why he threw him against Tulane. I mean, I guess. I. 
it didn't make sense to me. It worked out. So I know everyone's going to, or most people are going to, you know, you know how result oriented we are. If they would have lost, they'd have blamed it all on that. And because they won, that, you know, doesn't mean it was the right decision because they won. Doesn't mean it was the wrong decision if they lost. It, we're just so result oriented. But I, I guess you could make an argument for doing it. But again, you don't even know that you're going to play Wake Forest. Win or lose. So I don't think he would do that, but it would be fascinating if he did. Um, and that because he did it in the regional, the scenario in, 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 you know, the regional and the super regional and the World Series, those are not all identical competitions. And I'm not talking about the skill level. I'm talking about what it takes pitching wise to win. Like I don't, have, I wouldn't have any problem with a coach handling his pitching staff a little differently in all three because they're not all the same scenario. So, you know, there is there are no two lanes in Omaha. So you just things can be different. And the other idea that I think it just makes the most sense to throw skeins right away is that this is a long enough tournament where you're going to be able to throw them again, theoretically, and yes. you give the best chance to throw them the soonest if you throw them the earliest. That's true. I, 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 I agree. I, no, I fully expect that's what's going to happen. But I just think it would be funny if he didn't because of all the uproar when, he, when they pitch him against Tulane. So, um, first-round matchups. Do you see any upsets? Um, TCU's bats getting quieted down a little bit against Indiana State makes me think Oral Roberts has a real shot because, again, they've got front-line pitching and they've got depth, actually, more than you'd think from a team in the Summit League that you know doesn't play in a big baseball conference. So, um, again, that's not a huge upset cause that, as far as seeding because it would be an unseeded team beating an unseeded team. But uh, I think – Based on you know how we feel about those teams, it would yes. be. Um, I mean, look, it's not a you know it's it's certainly possible that Wake Forest, like again, the, you mentioned, there's no two lanes. Like Wake Forest has to play Stanford. I mean, that's that's not an easy game in the first game, and we'll see if Stanford's going to throw. Uh, you know, whether they throw Quinn Matthews or not. I guess not because he threw in the second game of the Super, so maybe yes. they'd be more likely to wait. So. That's that's I mean yeah like they're gonna have to play really really well to beat Stanford just like they're gonna have to play well in every game um, so those would be two right away to think about. We brought it up when FedEx man indirectly very like how Wake kind of has a popcorn park. I don't think LSU's dimensions are popcorn, but the ball flies out of there. It just flies. Um, um, but the way in, in Omaha, it's a little different. And so the ballpark could make a difference in some of these matchups because, I mean, if you're just a home run or buzz team, you might have some issues here. Yeah, and again, that's why Wake's pitching numbers, the fact that they led the country in ERA by almost a full run in the ACC in that ballpark is just like absolutely un, you know ridiculous. I fully disagree with FedEx Man's idea of, of their number two starters. I think Josh Hartle is um, just about as good as any number one in the country, and he's a number two for them. And then they have Sean Sullivan behind that. But again, they could definitely be beat like it's baseball, and LSU's lineup can hit against anybody. So if they were to score runs against Wake, I don't think it would be because of Hartle not being as advertised. I think it would be because they have a lineup that can score against anyone. Um, 
But yeah, no, I mean, I think Wake and LSU are the two best teams in the tournament for right now, the way teams are playing. And they're on the same side of the bracket, so that gets interesting. Now, Florida certainly has turned it on of late, and I think they have probably the most top-end talent of anybody else um, with some of the guys they have and, and, you know, when you go back to recruiting and things like that. And Virginia's playing really well as well. So I think the teams that are going to get immediately kind of put aside are the non-seeded teams, which are TCU, Oral Roberts, and Tennessee. But even TCU's getting a lot of love because they're playing – at an extremely high level, and they haven't even come close really to losing a game in the entire you know in the entire postseason. Uh, I think I think Florida Virginia is the best opening round matchup, but we'll see what Virginia does. Like we mentioned yesterday, they just have a history of being really good and not quite performing at that level when they really really need it to be. So we'll see how. Um, uh, how, how that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. We have not mentioned yet the NBA Finals. The Denver Nuggets won their first ever NBA championship last night. Uh, certainly congratulations to them. I said yesterday, I don't know if there's a – I guess there's a Denver Nugget fan somewhere in our listening audience in, this, in the Acadiana area. I don't know. Uh, of course, my definition of a fan is a little different than some people. But still, either way, I don't know. But uh, good for them. Uh, I thought Miami played very well last night. I played a most of the game. If the And, you, and look, I, we understand all the different ramifications of the word if. But if the Jimmy Butler of the Bucks series played in the finals – might have a different champion. He is not. He did not play well in the final. Now again, I'm not bashing him. It happens. He, he's he's not, you know, a top five or six player in the league. So he overall had a really good postseason. He didn't play particularly well in the finals. Um, you know, he missed way too many easy shots. Even last night. I mean, again, I didn't watch every play, but I was following the game here and there throughout with the baseball and other things. And, and they still missed a lot of little bitty easy shots, including him. If 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 the offensive part of his game, if he had du- been able to duplicate what he did in the Bucks series or or even the Celtics series in the finals, might have been a different story. But none of that matters. And again, if you're a Nugget fan, you just you just celebrate now. Again, I 
I think they're going to have I think they're going to be really good next year and they're going to win a lot of games. Do I do I think they're going to make the finals? No. Do I think they're going to win it all again? No. It's not that easy. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to it's very difficult to do. One of the there are a lot of clichés that coaches say all the time. Not all of them, I think, are totally true. But one of them that is true, that not enough people really, really believe, is that every year is different. You don't like some teams pretty much completely start over. But every year... It's not that you necessarily start over, but everything's different. Like, the competition is different. In other words, I don't think enough people really grasp. There are some teams that are so good that no matter how many times you did it, they would win. But I think a lot of seasons, especially in the sport of baseball, if you, okay, we just played and we crowned our champion. Let's replay the postseason. If you replayed the postseason, many times you would not get the same champion. Much less a whole different season. Like the next year, this idea that, oh, they're really good. And, oh, they're good. Oh, they're going to be even better. They're going to add this guy. I remember when the, um, <clears throat> when the Saints won the Super Bowl. They went out and added this player and that player, and we're like, man, they won the Super Bowl, and they added there, they're going to be even better. I'm like, no, they're going to have a medicine season. <laughs> what are y'all talking about? I hope you're right, but, you know, really, you're not right. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. Like, you, you play, the whole season is different. Everything's different. Are they going to be good? I think they're going to win a lot of games. Wouldn't even totally shock me if they're the number one seed. But everything – thing is different the the motivations are different like you're the king now like look there, there was a lot you remember all the publicity about oh so and so um sideline reporter bench reporter where they call him basketball she had never seen him play before and so and so had never seen so and so didn't vote for him all that stuff's gone now you not only are you not hidden, you got a target on your back. Totally different animal. Plus, all these other teams, they're gonna they're gonna get better. They're gonna be shooting for you. At a certain point, teams kind of start saying, okay, who's the best team? Let's start trying to beat the Nuggets. What is it gonna take to beat the Nuggets? No one ever said that before. Whoever said, well, let's construct our team. We got to figure out how to beat the Nuggets. That's never happened. But, like, that kind of stuff happens now. That's all part of what a medicine season is. It goes into it. So this idea that they're going to get even – I'm not saying they're not going to try to win. I'm not saying that on paper their team will be even better next year. That could happen. That doesn't mean you're going to win the championship again. It's just different. That Every year really is different. And – and again, I don't know if we replayed the playoffs. If we re- if we replayed the playoffs, I don't know that it would be the Heat or the Nuggets in there. Who knows? Maybe the Heat wouldn't be there. I don't. You know, I, I still think the Bucks were probably better. But again, man, 
We haven't mentioned that in a while. Um, I wonder if anybody in Buckdom says, um, man, this Heat team went all the way to the finals and they performed pretty well. Maybe they weren't as bad as we were thinking. Anyway, I know that's beating a dead horse, but I, I keep coming back to that. But no, good for the Nuggets. Good for any fan bases. I, you know, I don't know how many diehard, passionate. I know there's not, you know, there's a lot of passionate Denver Bronco fans. I don't know how many passionate Denver Nugget fans there are, but I'm sure there are quite a few. And if they've been doing this for 40 or something to 50 years, then good for them. You know, I, I can I certainly identify with fan bases and fans who have been living, you know, as the little brother to whatever, the Lakers or whatever. By the way, did you hear it? Did you hear it put this way? The Nuggets are the first team from the Western Conference to win a title, not from the state of California or Texas, since 79, Lenny Wilkins in the Seattle Supersonics. Man, I hated those teams. Jack Sigma. What a, that dude should have played for the Celtics. Ugly. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction we are very honored, and I'm happy to always happy to talk Astros baseball. We have with us Chandler Rome, who I'm sure is very happy with LSU going back to the College World Series of uh, of the Athletic. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. All right, so we got to. I think I don't know that we could have picked a better day. Astros just yesterday had their first off day in what eighteen days? They had seventeen days of playing and kind of limped to the finish line. Went nine and eight in that stretch. But there's a lot of things in flux right now. Um, we'll start with first base and Abreu. I thought it was very interesting that uh, on this show we call. Um, Alvarez El Perro Grande. I gave him that nickname. We do a lot of nicknames when when they when they first brought him up, and he's been fabulous. Obviously, when Alvarez went on the IL, it was funny. The two first two games after that, Abreu's only hitting one home run, hits two home runs. Like, what do you make of his kind of hitting the ball a little bit harder of late? Yeah, I, I think any progress is good progress, and they, they need any sign that he's close to turning it around because, honestly, before those two swings in Cleveland, I had not seen anything these first two and a half months that would have suggested to me that he's close to, to turning it around. And I mean, you kind of mentioned it there with Alvarez on the IL, that they need some someone to step up to give them some sort of power. And it would be nice if that could be Abreu, but... I mean, you start to kind of look at the volume of at-bats he's had this year. I mean, you're getting up toward 260, 270 at-bats, and that that's just kind of – that's that point where you, you just kind of think this may be what this guy is. And it's a tough look for a team that signed him to a three-year deal, 
Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to have the second or third worst OPS in baseball all year like he does right now. Uh, I think there are some signs that he may, you know, he may turn it around a little bit, but it's not going to be enough, I don't think, to justify, A, what they're paying him, and B, kind of what they need him to be. Because they need him to be something close to what he's been his whole career, which is a 800 OPS guy that can may not hit for a ton of power anymore, but can put the ball in play, that can get some base hits, that can kind of keep the line moving. And he just hasn't done that all year either. He has it. Now, last year the Astros won the World Series with a first baseman who didn't really hit much all season until the postseason, but he did get a lot of doubles kind of hero along the way. So, you know, they've recently won the World Series without getting a whole lot of offense from their first baseman during the course of the season. Yeah, but I think you also look at that team. That team had Jose Altuve firing on all cylinders, a top-five MVP season. That team had Kyle Tucker playing like an absolute superstar. And that team had Jordan Alvarez for a whole season. And that and this team just has not had any of that. I mean, Jose Altuve, it's not his fault. He's been injured, um, has really not made a contribution in this lineup. Kyle Tucker has been fine. I don't think he's had the superstar type of season that, A, the Astros – this iteration of the Astros team maybe needs him to have, but he's been perfectly fine. He just hasn't been able to kind of carry this offense. And then, you know, that team last year for at least the first half had Michael Brantley too, who was a pretty stabilizing force, a guy that can put the ball in play, that can keep the line moving a little bit. So the dynamics of that team last year were a little bit different than this one, but the, but the point is still salient that, that, you know, they were able to survive um, kind of a black hole in their lineup and, um, uh, you know, turn it into a World Series championship. All right. So since you brought up Brantley, I was going to ask that later. But like, I, they had to have an idea to resign him. I know he's so popular and they love him, and I mean, you know, everybody's an Astro fan, kind of likes him and appreciates what he's done. But here we are, almost in mid June now, and he hadn't played. It, it sound it sounded like he was going to play, and then not, and then the signs are starting to get better again, but. Do they really? Do you sense that they really feel like whenever he starts that they're going to have him for the rest of the year and he's going to be Michael Brantley from two years ago? Uh, I mean, that's what they're projecting publicly, but I can't, I, I can't sit here and say that with confidence because, I mean, again, this guy, we've now come up on a year that this guy has not played in a major league game in a year. And, you know, he's not close right now to playing in a major league game either. So there, there could be a, a span of about 13 or 14 months if he comes back between his last major league appearance. And then you kind of look at what happened on that rehab assignment, right? That he, you know, went in the minor leagues and took a bunch of swings and came back and didn't feel good. They had to shut him down again. It makes you wonder, like, how much can they realistically rely on this guy? Like, how much, how, how much will his health realistically allow the team to rely on him? And I thought, you know, it was a pretty – it was a pretty glaring and a pretty poignant statement that Dana Brown made this week when he was talking to, on the team's pregame radio show. And he said, yeah, we need a left-handed bat. That we need At the trade deadline, we need to look for a left-handed bat that's versatile. Well, that would kind of be Michael Brantley to me. Right. If you're already talking about needing a left-handed bat, that to me would kind of project that either they don't feel confident he's coming back or they feel, or they're, if he does come back, they're not confident he's going to be able to give them kind of that everyday presence. All right, we're speaking with Chandler Rome of The Athletic. I had a friend who's a lifelong Astro fan just like me who is pretty convinced 
kind of based off of, you know, after the fact we heard that the Astros had tried to trade for Bryce Harper, not for a long-term deal, but for to bar him for the end of this season. And this, and he is pretty convinced that the Astros, like that, you know, part of the reason why they didn't like Click is that the owner likes to make a splash, that Crane likes to make a splash, and that they're going to try to trade for Otani to be that left-handed bat, to bar him for two or three months, and obviously they're not going to pay him with the – you know, whoever's going to pay him five or six hundred million. How realistic do you think that is? I'd give it a ten percent chance, if that. Um, a, I don't think the Angels are going to trade him because I, I think Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, has pretty much been steadfast in saying that as long as the Angels are in contention, they're not going to trade him. And the Angels have won five in a row. They're within a game and a half of the third wild card, which which means they are technically in contention and. I mean, the Astros, like, you can talk about making a splash all you want. Uh, they don't have the prospect capital to do that. Like, the Angels aren't going to take, like, some like, – if, if in, a, in an alternate reality, like, if they make Otani available, like, they're not going to take the Astros' prospects because the Astros don't have good prospects. They have, like, two good prospects. And the major league talent that they could trade is not what the Angels want for a generational-type player. You know, you look back and you're talking about when they almost acquired Bryce Harper in 2018. That was still when this farm system was ranked like number five, number four in, in baseball. You know, they had a ton of prospect capital to part with. And, you know, when I was at the Houston Chronicle, I reported kind of what that trade package was going to look like. And it had first round picks in it, it had, you know, good prospects. This team does not have good prospects. And their farm system is not good. It does not have top-end talent that they could use to acquire a top-end player like Shohei Otani. All right, so do you feel like McCullers, whether he comes back, he's, you know, obviously you'd like him back right now or last week, and that's not going to happen. But it, do you feel like it's still realistic that he could come back in August and still be, like, there for the postseason? I don't know. Um, everything that I've heard, everything that, you know, the way Dana Brown talked in Toronto last week when he told us that McCullers needed another MRI, um, just everything about this situation to me points that he's probably not pitching again this season. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that means surgery. I don't know what that means. But I think the Astros have to go into the trade deadline under the strong presumption that he's not going to be back this year. Um, and look, in a best-case scenario, let's say he went for the MRI and everything looks good, there's nothing that they could go in and repair, Like they still have got to shut him down for two or three additional weeks for everything to calm down, and then he's got to resume that throwing program that takes you know, three or four weeks. So you're looking at, in a, in a best-case scenario, you're looking at another six or seven weeks before you can even talk about him going on a rehab assignment. So... I don't think so, and that's just an educated guess based off of things I've heard and tones that have been t- said. But I mean, I guess there's always a chance, but I would not count on Lance McCullers being a, a vital, huge contributor for this team going forward. How soon do you think Arkady will be back? Uh, it sounds like maybe around the All-Star break. I, I don't think he's throwing off of a mound yet, which that, that would be the next big step for him to throw off a mound. and. Again, with starters, it's different because, you know, they got to build him up to 
live BPs, and then he's got to go on a rehab assignment where they've got to build his pitch count up. And it's just a protracted, drawn-out process because it takes a while for guys to build their arms up, and they can't throw every day. So, um, yeah, I'd imagine about another month away. Um, and that'll be big if he can come back and just be the Urquidy that he has been. Guy can go out there and eat innings, and, you know, he's not going to have a sub-3 ERA, but he'll go out there and – He's a competent major league starter that has a ton of playoff experience, and that's something that they need. All right, so everyone loves flashy trade rumors and all that, but we've learned, especially last year, and I thought the point, you know, a lot of Astro fans and people, oh, Wilson Contreras, and he's got, you know, he can hit, and and and, and I call him Candy, but uh, Maldonado, he's just, he don't hit, he's hitting under 100, and we want these, and then it's all, this team wins with pitching and defense, pitching and defense, so do, don't, do you feel like Dusty's still there, and he still wants to win with pitching and defense, do you feel like with a new GM that's going to change, or are they still going to have... Yeah, I don't want this guy, Contreras. We're going to play a guy because he can handle the pitching staff and get people out. Well, they're not going to go trade for a catcher. Um, I mean, if they are going to make a change at catcher, which they're not going to do, it'd be Yiner Diaz, who's already on the roster. Like, I don't know why you would go trade for for a catcher. Um, I think at the trade deadline, they need to look at they need an ex, they need a veteran starting pitcher. That would probably be one of the things I would because, like you mentioned, this team is going to win with pitching and defense. I think you have to augment your strengths at the trade deadline. And even with all the injuries that this pitching staff has had, the Astros have the lowest ERA in baseball. So they're still pitching extremely well. They need to go augment that strength at the deadline. And then, you know, look, this lineup has a lot of holes in it. Um, They need to go find, you know, I think a Trey Mancini-esque type of acquisition, a guy that can play some first base, can play a corner outfield if you ask him to, and that it can just kind of go around, play one of the corners, you know, come off the bench. That I'm not saying they're going to go trade for Trey Mancini again, but that sort of player I, I think would be really valuable to this team, just somebody that can add an extra veteran bat in that lineup. You know, we talked about it earlier. I mean, you can talk about all the flashy big trades you want that the, the Astros like to take risks. I mean, again, they just do not have the prospect capital to do that. They, they, they don't. And they, they don't have – the, the sort of ammunition that the Rays or the Rangers or the Dodgers or the Yankees, they just don't have that sort of prospect capital accumulated to go out and take these big swings. And, you know, you mentioned the Contreras thing from last year. That was a one-up trade. They were going to trade Urquidy to the Cubs for Wilson Contreras, and then Jim Crane blocked it. And I think that, you know, raises another question here. You know, at the trade deadline, Who's going to have the final say? Like, does Dana Brown have autonomy here? Like, is he going to be able to actually run his baseball operations department? Or is Jim Crane going to step in and try to play GM again and, and, and you know, dictate kind of how the deadline goes? Of course, it's a good thing he, he blocked that trade. Okay, two more things real quick. One of them is, do you think Montero from last year is still in there? Or is there some, some you know, somehow the league has figured out his best pitch or whatever? And the second thing, speaking of defense, I mean, do you feel like Jake Myers – do you really think they're going to trust Jake Myers defensively to go into the postseason with, with him, assuming he's not in some trade from here in, at the deadline? 
when Jake Myers is like the second best defensive center fielder in baseball, according to like every defensive metric out there. So I would imagine they would trust him on defense. I know he took a bad route to that ball in uh, oh, awful. He took a bad route to that ball awful. in Toronto, and you know that was a bad look. But I mean that happens, you know. But I think they're, they're, they'll trust the overall track record and they'll trust the defensive metrics. I mean he's. He's far and away one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball that doesn't get talked about that much, and I think they would trust him pretty implicitly if he's on the roster. You think he's? You think he would make a ball, a catch within under pressure against a wall, better than McCormick? Well, again, I think you're letting that one catch that Chaz made oh, in the World no. Series, which is a huge, huge catch. And, I, and I'm not trying to sit here and say Chaz is a bad center fielder because he's not. But Dusty, since last year, has, has said that, that Jake Myers is, you know, he's a, and everyone in base, you talk to scouts, you talk to rival executives, like Jake Myers is a more natural and a better defensive center fielder than Chaz McCormick. Now, that's not to say Chaz is bad, but I'm just telling you, like, and, and you look at the defensive metrics this year with every, with a big sample size to be had, Jake Myers is by some, by some metrics, the second best. By some metrics, the third best defensive center fielder in baseball. Jeez. And yeah, I, I know Chad. Chad had the huge catch, and, and I get well, it. the the catch he the catch he made in left center field when it was at three weeks ago was way better than the World Series catch, in my then, opinion. But you, you also have to look at you know Jake Myers made a pretty unbelievable catch in Milwaukee a couple of weeks later, crashing against the wall to save Christian Javier. You know that was a game that the Astros ended up blowing him out, but. A lot of people forget that he did that too. So I mean, again, it's it's a good problem to have when you have two good defensive center fielders on the roster. But Jake Myers is, I think, head and shoulders probably the better defender. And then as far as Montero, you know, relievers are volatile. Um, he's not been good this year. He hasn't been good really his whole career. He had one really good season that was last year, and he just so happened to be in an organization where the owner was making the baseball operations decisions, and he overpaid for a reliever that had one good year. And I think now you're seeing, I don't want to say the real Rafael Montero, but I think you're seeing kind of a regression to the norm. And, and, you know, it's not like he's been the standout, you know, stud reliever his whole career. He's had one good year. And I think the Astros have enough bullpen depth to where they can hide him, to where he's not coming in in huge situations. But, you know, this is an offense right now that's not scoring a ton of runs. And it's a pitching staff that the starters and the good relievers aren't giving up a ton of runs. So it's making every late-game moment kind of a leverage situation. It's making every time he comes in, they're within two or three runs, and you're kind of wondering, why are they using him here? Because they have to. They can't keep throwing everyone else's arms off. So, um, you know, Montero's got to get better. Um, I don't foresee it getting, like, back to where it was last year, but – He's got to become at least a little more serviceable for them because they're going to keep throwing him. He's not going to get high leverage innings, but they, but because he's in the bullpen, they have to use him because they can't wear other guys out. Absolutely. All right, sir. We appreciate your time very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. 
back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Well, that was good to get Chandler's opinion. Obviously, he and I very, I very, I got no faith in Jake Myers making a clutch play in the postseason. I mean, I think he's fine most of the time. I agree. It's not like he, most games, I think he's going to be fine. I just, I think he's an ugly, pretty boy that could have played on the Celtics. I, I just, I just don't trust him. But anyway, that's, a, that, that's beside the point because it would not shock me if he's involved in a trade next month. Like, I don't see we're having, especially if they pick up an outfielder in a trade, to have him, McCormick and him, two guys who are okay offensively sometimes in stretches but not overall really good offensively and they're better supposedly defensively um I, I don't know we're having both of those guys if they have another outfielder like I just don't see and one of the things I didn't ask him about that probably we just ran out of time was like what if jokes keeps hitting I, I don't know like there's they went for the sea where you didn't have enough outfield or what they, they might, if especially if Brantley ever comes back, have too many outfielders, especially if they're playing on a train for one. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I love Jorge Soler's power potential, but I don't love all of his strikeouts. Um, but I wasn't suggesting that they would trade for a catcher, but I still think they're not going to – I still think that – that they have the mentality that they're going to win with pitching and defense. So I don't know that they're going to go trade for this pretty boy bat, whether that, 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 and just totally sacrifice defense. Which I don't is, think they're going to do that. Which is not good for my dreams of reuniting the Tucker brothers because Preston's obviously not a plus defender, but he did go two That's for true. four with two doubles and another RBI last night. Man. Average up to 364 for the uh, El Paso Chihuahuas. That that is um, he's having quite a year. I would man seem like somebody who needs some hitting depth would. I mean, it's not often that you trade for a minor leaguer, but I mean, it seems like somebody would say, "Man, put that guy in the trade. We want him." If the OPS is twelve hundred, and it's like we're you know we're four months into the season, and OPS of twelve hundred is I know it's AAA, but. Feels like the Padres themselves could use a guy with some pop, but like I don't know. I guess again, sometimes it's roster construction wise. If you got guys you can't send down with options and stuff, I mean, it just happens. But and you now never Tatis know. is an outfielder that you know because when he used to play short, you had some different options there. I don't know, but um, yeah, no, I I keep tracking it. I just keep getting amazed every time I look at his page. Remember in the preseason, we were talking about the Astros kind of thinking and suggesting that maybe they ought to pick up jerks and pro four. And I don't follow him, but I saw that he's got like this big old on base streak or he had, I don't know if it's still on there, but like, in other words, he's been pretty good this year. Now he's with a bad team. So you never know how just because you do well on one team, especially a bad team doesn't mean that you would do as good 
on a better team. Sometimes the pressure gets to you or whatever. But, um, yeah, he hasn't been great. He's hitting 248. His OPS is 725. I think in, especially playing in Colorado, you'd want more than that. But he does play, again, he's a guy that the Astros would probably – well, we thought we they may be valuing the offseason yeah. because he plays everywhere except catcher. Like, he, he can play anywhere. So that, Right, but Dubon has been able to be yeah, that Dubon's guy. Yeah, Dubon's been that guy. Because we thought we were getting Dubon from last year, who was an offensive – you know, he was nothing. I mean, he did nothing offensively. Could barely hit the ball at the infield. Well, this year he's he's done much more. So I guess there's nothing to be re- re- regret there. But no, I'm I'm still. And look, I I guess you can still have a bat. Like Mancini, Dusty didn't seem to be all that enthralled with him last year, and he's an average at best defender. He's not a, a good defensive player. No, where where you put him. But he still got some big hits. I mean, you still there's still some place for a guy who can hit, even though you're not going to rely on him consistently, defensively, uh, in most games. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Now the again the Astros are opening up a nine game homestand, playing the Nationals, who fortunately got a win on Sunday, but they had lost a bunch of games in a row, kind of like the Tigers did. Uh, and then the Reds who have a hot new bat in their lineup. And then the Mets, who hopefully get really hot over the next two weeks, over the next two series, because they are been terrible. Like, they're a team that's supposed to be pretty good, really due to win some games. So I don't like that matchup at all. So I'm hoping, I don't know who the Mets even play this week, but I'm hoping this week that the Mets go like, I don't know, five and one. I don't know if they play six games or whatever. I hope they go like five and one or something. Four and two or five and two, depending on how many games they play. Because I, I, I don't need the Mets, you know, on this long losing streak coming to, to Houston. Never like, especially a good team on a losing streak. Man, that's the worst. That's the worst team to play. A, a team that's supposedly pretty good on a long losing streak. Okay. Th- that's a paw bone. I'll say that you know we we always go back and forth about the Piper and all and it's and it's it's all in fun and stuff. I'll be with you on and and we talk about this during college basketball. I was with you a couple times in the Cajuns have like a team that is good and should be playing better than they currently are. And again, my lo- I don't think it's because you know some unknown force is helping or hurting them, but I do think it's a sense of urgency and the talent's going to win out at some point. So I do agree. I don't like playing really good teams that have been struggling. But it, it also depends on why they're struggling. Like, are they struggling because they have injuries and they're str- you know and they're trying to get over? Or again, are they just underachieving? And to that point, yeah, th- those teams are going to figure it out, especially in baseball over the course of a long season. I, I I know I know Raymond is a Brace fan, but I didn't know he secretly hated the Astros. Like, I know Troy hates the Astros, but I mean we know that. Okay. But Ray, like Raymond just texted me, he hopes the Mets go in seven. Well, no, that doesn't <laughs> help the Astros. Yeah, well, I think he might have. I, I think he's he more hopes, worried about the. I was going to say, the I think National he hopes the Mets go 0 yeah. 162, actually. So. Yeah, but he forgets, though. You can't hope that because you forget that the baseball gives him 54, that they go 54 games. Yeah, that's yeah, the hope, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> You're going to get it eventually. You're, the man, I'm telling you, it's real. You think all these teams are good? They got some bad baseball teams that win 50, 60 games. They're not good. They didn't earn any of those wins. None of them. They just, baseball gives them to them. 
get 54 when it starts. They, they are bad in comparison to their peers. They are still professional baseball players, and that's why they win 50 games. A no. team full of high school players would not have the Piper give them 54 wins. They would go. Well, no, no. Again, the this is a profession. This is a major league baseball. Right, I know, thing. and I. But I'm saying that they're still good. They're just not good compared to their peers. I, I think they're. But, if you if you go 54 and 108, you you it's the equivalent of a winless football. Like season. I get, I I'm mostly on board with that kind of idea of the fact that 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 you know you're bottomed out, but. The reason that bottomed out is not because some Piper gives you wins. It's because they're still Major League Baseball players. No, and still it's because they got wins because of the nature of the sport. Okay. But I'm just saying right now, if you took <laughs> – He says, okay. If you, took the, if you took the you know, the worst – the double-A, like worst double-A team you had and compiled the 25-man roster that, they would not win 54 games. Well, Career minor much, leaguers who hit like pretty 200. much what they have. No, the, it's not. The A's they've got some guys. They've got some guys. Well, they, they got Seth Brown back now. They but, have major league players, and yes, there are certainly some players who wouldn't be on other major league rosters. But they're not the worst. They are not Double A players consistently across the board. They got a lot of. They got. They got a few. This is the worst lineup. That this is the worst collection that they've had in this little of the A's. Last yes, 10 but again, the funny so. thing is the Royals are are just as bad. Yeah, I, we we might need to look into them a little bit later in the summer. I, it, it is unbelievable what they've done. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is footnotes live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Tomorrow at about 10.15, um, we're going to have a treat. Going to be talking to, I guess he's now former Lafayette High baseball coach Sam Tully and It'll be who knows what direction we'll go with, but he's retired, and I teased him, sent him a text, and said, "Now that coach, now that you're a rock star, and they're naming buildings after you, do you have time for the little minions like me to do a radio show?" And he says, "I'll he you know typical coach Tully humor. He says I'll I'll get my secretary to get back with you." That was funny. But uh, I'm sure plenty of you out there who know him or played for him or played against him, or um, he was—he certainly um, a treasure in many ways in, in Lafayette High, and not just Lafayette High. Just oh, I know he was at Lafayette High, but other schools. And he—he got—he came here um, in about '83, '84, right when I started working at, at the Advertiser. So, like my career in in covering high school sports and 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 stuff in the area, kind of was the same 
time that he's been in there. Now, he was coaching before that. He was at Berwick. and um, But, no, we, we're going to go over that. It's going to be kind of just fun to, to talk to him. And who knows? He's the kind that wouldn't shock me if he was in the, on the political scene because he, he likes to try to get things done. Um, so looking forward to, to talking to Coach Tully. The only thing that I'll say about him is he's a Yankee fan. So, you know, uh, we it is what it is. I guess everybody's got their shortcomings. Oh, so you spent this we, – we had this offseason thing with Lamar Jackson and, and the Falcons and stuff. I'm now thinking, like, I – even, I mean, you'd probably be, I don't know, would you be more upset if, if Otani went to the, as far as, you know, not upset because you like Otani, but the Dodgers or the Yankees, what would be worse for you? Well, I guess for the Astros, it would be the Yankees because they're in my division. Yeah, I well, mean, league, yeah. I mean, in my in my league, um, you know, I've always said I'll play anybody in the Super Bowl, I'll play anybody in the World Series. I mean, yeah. you figure you're going to play a good team anyway. So, and plus... You know, the Astros have kind of learned. I mean, he, he had a, some hits against him, but they do pretty well against him. Um, so probably the Yankees because, you know, I, I wouldn't have to, you know, face yeah, him. Yeah, no, so I'll, I'll start it right now. Um, I need Otani not – that's my offseason plan goal uh, thing at the top of the list like you had with Lamar Jackson and the Falcons. I need Otani not to go to the Yankees. Um, and he can go to the Dodgers, whatever. Resign with the Angels on, which actually is funny because that's actually worse for the Astros. But it's it's fine because it's the Angels, and I'll root for him more with the Angels than I would with the Yankees. Um, just need him to not be in pinstripes, and I'll be good. Now, remember, I ended up being successful in my crusade, so that's why I felt like I had to get yeah. going early. We got to get ahead. It's June thirteenth. I mean, we don't. Again, now he'll get traded somewhere potentially, which again I don't think he will, and Chandler kind of agreed with that. If he gets traded somewhere, it is what it is because it's a rental thing. But we're talking the next decade is going to be right. who he signs with so this offseason. If you if it's not the Yankees or the Punks, what would be your next best guess right now? I mean, well, the Mets always spend money, so you think about that. But I don't know based on the amount of money they've already spent. And then the Padres are the new kind of kids to spending money, although they're not doing it's, so well. Yeah. So those are the ones you immediately think of as far as, I mean, the White Sox have been rumored to, to be, like, interested in making a big splash. Like, who's going to have, again, the, the money that he's going to get is not something we've ever seen in baseball or in any American sport. Like, so who's got that, right? Like, I, that's what they think is going to be interesting. And now, the way you structure it and the, and the different payout, like, I don't know, but I don't know if there's a is the pool. It's not like everybody's going to go after him because there's a lot of teams that are already going to sit there and go, we we have no chance. We're not going to pay that type of money. But again, doesn't he want to win, or does it? Do we think that really doesn't matter in this deal? Like he's such a mega star. Boston, by the way, would be another one that that I think would be in play, right? Just because they've proven that they'll spend that type of money. I don't know if they'll spend that type of money, but they'll spend. No, and look, I've always said this, and people have always given me backlash. Like, if I was a if I was an NFL quarterback and I was a superstar, and you you make the big payday, and like after that big contract I signed, I, I would take league minimum every year. If I was an elite superstar, like where Tom Brady was in his career, I would take league minimum and say put the best team around me. And people have always said that's ridiculous, but that's how I think. I really do think, and I know obviously I've never been in that position, unfortunately, but I really do think I would say. Give me the league minimum. And then they, they say you're messing it up for everybody else because you're not setting new precedents, and so your peers, and maybe that comes 
to play a part of it. But Brady did take discounts. He didn't take league minimum. Right. But I've I don't always know if said I do that league I minimum that. because the, the the player association wouldn't like that. But you can right, still that's take less. Saying. But um, he's also going to be making mega millions and in, in endorsements, like he's especially if he goes to one of the me, me, mega media centers. Right. That was always my thing with with Brady. And again, that that mindset I think I would have. Like the money is not an issue because the money comes from so many different places. It's the same thing in anything right now. And Brady, of course, it was always like the thing. His wife was richer than he was, and all that. So I always thought it was funny. Like and it, and and even Breeze, who didn't take you know he didn't take big pay cuts. He took a couple team friendly kind of structured things but I always thought man give me as the littlest amount as possible based on the fact that I know I'm already getting everything from endorsements and everything from Nike and whoever else I sign with the more you win the more money you're gonna make on the other side and like you just have that small small window to be an elite you know opportunity to win championships and maybe would people take away from your legacy if you took less to build powerful team I don't know I just that's that's how I think I would have done it and and the other thing is you know I don't know that we really have time to get into this but we can talk about this more as the summer goes on I've baseball comparing baseball to other sports is is always been fascinating to me because you think well it's not a team sport as much as the other sports because it's more of a one-on-one thing you and the pitcher and yet it really, in some ways, is more of a team sport in that if you're now the, as a pitcher, you can dominate, but you're only dominating for that one game that you pitch once every five days or six days. But but as a hitter, you you only get to bat once. Like if you play basketball, they can give you the ball every possession if they want. Like a great point guard touches the ball every possession. Like, think about how many innings that a great hitter doesn't even bat, or if he bats, he only gets to bat once in that inning, and if he happens to get out because you because of the nature of the sport, you only succeed 30 to 40% of the time. It's not like the other sports. When you get the ball, not only can you get the ball over and over and over and over in the other sports, you succeed 70 to 80% of the time a lot in the other sports. In baseball, you only get to about once, and you only succeed 30 to 40% of the time. And again, right, the idea if you are going against an elite, the best in the league cornerback, you can go away from him as a play caller and as a schemer. And in baseball, that guy's going to come up to bat. Now, it might not be the inning that he needs to for the, his team, but he's going to come up. Now, you can walk him, right, but that's giving them an, a base, which in some situations is helpful. In basketball, if they have a great offensive player, yeah, he's going to get the ball with a chance to score. And so baseball is that situation where you can't go away from him. Like in that situation defensively, you can't go away from him because he's going to have the ball. Right, but you don't even have to get him out. The Piper gets him out half the time. and that's where you lost me. We were having such a good conversation for like six You know it's true. Look, if you you throw a pitch and Otani hits the ball – 108 miles an hour right at the right field. The pitcher didn't get him out. The, the game pitcher got him did out. not yeah. get him out. Like baseball gets you out sometimes. Sure, yeah. yeah. That, that point That's the pipe. Uh, okay, well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is you could argue that baseball is really a bigger team game because it requires everyone having some 
you know, it's it's hard for a lineup to be productive if only one or two guys hit it. Yeah, and that's the other thing too that we brought up. Like Maldonado, that's why this is such a conversation. He has to bat. Like he will if he if you want him to play now, DH you don't have to have pitcher. It used to be where pitchers too, but yeah. now yeah, like Maldonado has to bat. I guess theoretically, if uh, if the Astros got is that I wonder if that's been a thought. If the Astros played Otani, if the Astros had Otani, let's say, and he was pitching, could you then DH for Maldonado? Yeah, man. Has that never come up with the Angels? Have they never had a guy bad enough to where they said, what's DH for one of our position players because Otani's pitching and he's going to be batting tonight? LaRussi has done that before. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I don't know. Just thought of that. No, I I think – I don't know they've had a guy who's as consistently, you know, 100 hitter like Candy is. That is interesting, though. No, again, so – I think to get back to our original point before we take a time another timeout is that if he can't, it's so hard to know. We say well, he cares about winning. It's so hard to win because baseball on that way is one guy can only make so big a difference. I mean, hit, the Angels proved that. Hence the little MVP. So, ah, oh boy, that, that's a tough deal. Hopefully, he goes somewhere that doesn't mess with the Astros and he gets six hundred million, and that team becomes non-effective in terms of team championships. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. You know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Had a nice eventful day once again. All right. So one subject we have not broached yet. We talk a lot about the transfer portal. It's not just teams that are unsuccessful, fall short, have chemistry issues, and I guess we don't really know. What the chemistry certainly seemed great on Oklahoma softball team. But now you have two players in Nugent and Ball who have entered the transfer portal. And so you never know. Like sometimes, in, in, in Jordy Ball's case, supposedly she's going home, of course, I guess I hadn't really – I mean, if you'd have asked me two weeks ago, where's her hometown, I would have known. When I first heard that, I'm like, is she, like, from California or something? No, she's from Nebraska. Like, she's going from one old-school Big 8 school to another old-school Big 8 school. Um, but still, I mean, I am sure, i don't know how far it is from Norman to wherever she's from in Nebraska. Um, but next thought I had on that is, man, what, what – what, why? When did Nebraska become a hotbed for pitchers? Because Washington's ace pitcher is from Nebraska, and it, and then now you have her from Nebraska for Oklahoma's ace pitcher from Nebraska. You think old country Bob Feller stuff there, but um, but also a catcher, and so who knows? But it's interesting. I mean, I was like, whoa. Now, their team ERA was 
started with a zero, I believe. So it's not like they did that with just one good pitcher. And I wonder if Oklahoma could pick up a good transfer to Portal. I think they could probably do that as well. So I don't know that it means anything big picture-wise or next year for Oklahoma. But it's um, it's interesting that in this transfer portal era, even – you know, you're talking to me, you know, they're throwing I me. Mean, this is a dynasty. Like, they're like, I, they're not where UConn women's basketball was yet, just yet, but they're going down that road. Like, it's a, it's a almost, I mean, they, they can't be getting good odds at the beginning of the year in Las Vegas for, for winning the national championship at all. Like. And so they're pretty dominant. But, no, I'm sure that raised a lot of eyebrows to have them, uh, especially a dominant young pitcher like that. But uh, I wouldn't. If I was in Oklahoma, you know, like I saw some like Oklahoma fans weren't bashing her. I mean, what do you have to bash anybody about? You win every year. You, you crush everybody. It's a lot easier to not bash when you're winning. When it's tough to not bash, and even more impressive to not bash as fans, is when you're trying to get to that point and it never seems to happen and you lose a key um, performer. That makes it tougher, I think, to not bash. Yes, and I... I I wouldn't I wouldn't bash this person either, but the Cajuns are, are you're kind of on that track, right? With with Jordan Brown now, I, again, I don't think it's a situation where you'd bash him if he leaves, but he is in the portal, and that's going to be interesting because that's an opportunity, and now it's just different with with the way today's college basketball works. You know, I I, I don't know exactly what's going through Jordan's mind. I kind of believe that after everything Jordan has been through. And I do genuinely think he's enjoyed his time at UL way more than he enjoyed his time in Arizona and Nevada. But I do think if this was 10 years ago, he wouldn't be leaving. But with NIL money that's out there, now I know guys got paid before under the table. I get that. But, like, if someone's going to offer you three, four hundred grand, and you're a graduate student, how do I, it's that's hard to say no to, like, because you know, in Jordy Ball's case, you're young. We only have ten seconds, but you're young. But like, I I think Jordan's case is very different, and I, I you know I think it would be silly to to bash him if he does it. But he's gonna he's got to at least listen, and so we'll see what happens. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs> 